Well, hey, everyone, welcome back to the Leadership Lessons episode. My name is Pastor Daniel Williams. I'm so excited that you're back at us once again. It's my favorite meeting that we get to have together as I just brought out my camera, get you some content to hopefully encourage and equip you as a church leader. And today you are in for a treat, a hat trick. This is going to be a jam-packed episode full of great Bible study encouragement and three, that's right, hat trick, three leadership lessons all talking about faith, all talking about faith. You know, the Bible says a lot about faith. And one of my favorite verses is in Hebrews. It talks about how it's impossible to please God without faith. Me as a leader, I always want to take in consideration, is this a step of faith for me? Uh, You know, because it's from faith to faith, the Bible says. And so what would be a step of faith five years ago for me may not be a step of faith for me today. And so I always want to grow, always want to learn, always want to continue to make decisions based off of Lord. I want to please you. I want to bless you. I want to serve you. So if it's impossible to please God without faith, what are the steps I need to take right now that is faith? And so we're going to talk all about faith ministry as a church leader in three leadership lessons. Uh, The first leadership lesson is going to be from Brian Kelly. He is a leader at the Calvary Global Network. He's church planning over in the West Coast of Florida. I've done some different interviews and uh, church planning, uh, podcasting with him and things like that, different ministry stuff with the part of the tribe I'm with, Calvary Global Network. He was over here in the East Coast of Florida and we were doing some interviews for his podcast. And I asked him, hey, could you also give me a leadership lesson to people? And he just says, man, you got to roll the dice. You got to play it by faith. My next leadership lesson in this episode will be by a lady named Tiffany Valenzuela. Now you may have known her. She did a one piece of advice earlier in the season. Uh, Esteban was in our last episode on sabbaticals and their whole family just went on a sabbatical this year. And I was just with them last month and I said, Hey, Tiffany, you are an amazing preacher. God has obviously spoken to you in, in your life as well. What is one aspect or something that you can share with us? You know what she said? Faith. Man, you got to continue in faith, have that radical faith, go from faith to faith. And she talks about not just faith in the beginning, but faith to last. And she's going back to Madrid, Spain with her husband and family to continue to plant a church, to be a missionary. It takes faith. Lastly, I'm going to come on the back end of this incredible duo uh, to teach about faith and how we have faith through different seasons in looking at a leader, Joshua, uh, looking at a leader in Joshua and how he had faith in different seasons of ministry, because whether you're starting or you're ending in between, you're going to find yourself in a lot of different seasons and you're going to need to have faith. And so the, the, the hat trick, the, the three, uh, powerhouse speakers today. And I understand that this is sort of thick podcast. It's Bible study after Bible study, leadership lesson after leadership lesson, those type of things. That's on purpose. We do this podcast every other week and we want to give you enough content for you to last. Uh, this is not a dialogue where, um, I have someone else co-hosting and we're going back and forth. Uh, One, because just efficiency and time, I'm not able to do this. I actually purposely have this me preaching to you, asking other church leaders that I'm connected with, hey, can you just give wisdom? Uh, We know it's a foolishness of the world, but it is truly important that we are preaching and listening to applicational preaching to ourselves, preaching the gospel to ourselves and having other church leaders preach this good news of Jesus to us. And so with their ministry experience, with their interpretation of scripture and their Bible teaching, I just say, guys, go for it. Girls, go for it. We want to listen and learn. And uh, man, if this is uh, in 
one sitting or one long drive for you, that's awesome. If this is consumed in maybe three different sessions for you, remember that I break all of these long videos down this format on our YouTube channel. Uh, one of the reasons why is maybe you want to hear Tiffany Valenzuela's message on just continuing faith and, and have your staff listen to it and have some discussion over it, or maybe Brian or myself. Um, so we actually break up all of these videos, these segments into our YouTube channel. I'd ask for you to subscribe, to follow, to share. There's a lot of great content, not just social reels and, and little five minute snippets, but each single segment that we have on this podcast, we put it out there and we want to disseminate that and get that to other people out um, as much to bless them and to encourage them and to continue to equip them in the things that God's called them to do. And one of the ways that we do that is through sponsorship of the podcast, but also through our Patreon page. Uh, man, many people are listening, they're subscribed, they're following along. I just want to ask you again, if you want more content, if you want other stuff like coaching, uh, encouragement, uh, reaching out via email, talking, man, please do so and join our Patreon community. Uh, this last week, I put the full interview of uh, Esteban Valenzuela, a 40-50 minute interview uh, conversation about the sabbatical rest that we just did last episode. I'm able to give more content out as just a blessing to you to say thank you so much for supporting. It's by people and their support that allows me to have this time that I can talk with you, but also to to interview, to edit, to um, get the content as I'm uh, connected with these people to take the time that I need to just ask them to preach and to give this to you. So I'm very grateful not only to the Patreon community, but also to uh, all the leaders that are contributing. They're doing this uh, for free out of the bless you. And I hope that this podcast is a blessing. So if you haven't subscribed, uh, share it with people, man, I'd love for you to leave a review. Uh, if you're financially able to do, if you want to can join our Patreon community. It really helps me as I'm bivocational to give more time and energy to leaders and this ministry. But all that to say, it's going to be a jam-packed episode. So I'm going to let the preaching do the preaching. Uh, I'll come back at the very end and do my own message. But before we do that, we're going to have Brian Kelly from uh, over in Bradenton, West Bradenton, Florida, who's a church planner, talk about just rolling the dice, going for it. Tiffany Valenzuela from Madrid, Spain, missionary church planner, uh, and then myself, you know, pastor church planner. Uh, we're exercising faith. We're continuing to step out, and we need that. And so just be encouraged. There are many other leaders still walking with the Lord, loving Jesus, stepping out by faith, and it's a scary thing for us. But man, what a blessing it is to walk by faith and not by sight. You guys are going to enjoy these leadership lessons. We'll talk to you after these uh, sessions. Well, hey, thanks for having me here today. My name is uh, Brian Kelly, and uh, I work with the Cultivate Church Planting Program with CGN, Calvary Global Network. And uh, I'm so excited to be here and hanging out with my good buddy, Daniel Williams. And uh, just appreciate you, Daniel, for letting me be on your show and, um, and talk to your, uh, your guests today. Well, um, today I want to talk about a topic that has been a, um, a source of blessing for myself and a question that I often get. I'm a pastor, a church planter, and missionary myself. Um, and a lot of times I get that question of, you know, how do you make good decisions uh, within uh, ministry, within in life, uh, from a biblical perspective? You know, when it's not clear cut of what you should do when there's a decision between two different good options, I mean, how do you choose? In other words, it's the age old question of 
How do I discern the will of God? You know, what's God's will for my life? I always love it when people ask me that as a pastor because I'm like, I don't know what God's will for your life is. You figure it out yourself with the Lord, you know. It's like he's got to speak to you. So that's my answer. In the message, talk to the Lord, he'll tell you. <laughs> but no, seriously, we've got some uh, principles that I've found helpful in leadership, um, being a leader of a church and uh, involved in leadership um, and cultivate church planting. Um, and believe it or not, kind of the advice that I want to look at uh, from a biblical perspective and actually from a couple of scriptures I want to uh, pull from today, this piece of leadership advice on making decision, decisions is from a couple of scriptures that it might be uh, uh, kind of funny when you hear these scriptures. And the first one is Proverbs chapter 16, verse 33. And it says in the New Living Translation, we may throw the dice, but the Lord determines how they fall. And uh, if I could give you some advice, it would be the advice of throwing the dice. Just roll the dice. Now, some of you are thinking, hey, this doesn't sound like a very biblical thing. This sounds like a pretty careless or reckless thing. But what I mean by that is this, that sometimes we just need to make a decision. We don't know what it is. We don't know which one we're supposed to make. But we make that decision all the while looking to the Lord, trusting in the Lord that He's going to give us the right direction. Because I truly believe with all my heart, if you're a leader, if you're a person who wants to do the will of God, that's your heart's desire. When you start to make those decisions, you are actually going to see that God will direct your paths. Man's, man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. And we have to plan. Sometimes we have to roll the dice between multiple good options. Now, I've been a, a missionary, a church planter, pastor for about 20 years. And when we were first um, going onto the mission field, my wife and I were deciding where should we go on the mission field. We knew God wanted us to be missionaries. He, we knew he wanted us to be involved in church planting, but where should we go? We had the option to go to Cambodia. We had a, a ministry, it seemed like an open door. They said, will you come to Cambodia and uh, help us with this orphanage, plant a church, be part of this program in Cambodia? So we thought, hey, we've never been there before. Maybe this is the place that God is calling us to go. At the same time, my wife had heard a message uh, at Bible college um, previously about Africa, East Africa, the country of Uganda and Sudanese refugees. She said, I really want to go to Africa, to go to Uganda. That's probably the place that we should go. All the while, we're thinking maybe we should go someplace closer like uh, Mexico. It's easier to get to. You know, a lot of people we know are doing missions down there. Maybe we should do that. I had a buddy that was church planting in Mexico and going to plant a church down there named Mike Vincent. So we're, we're looking at all these options, wondering what is the will of God? We didn't have any clear direction or explanation. So we just really prayed about it. God, show us where to go. And I'm going to tell you at the end of the day, this was what worked for us. This is my leadership uh, advice is, don't get stuck in a holding pattern. Make a decision. Now, there's a time for waiting on God, but there's also a time for making a decision. And I, I believe this, that so many Christians and leaders in general get stuck in a place because they don't know the exact right thing to do, that they fail to make that decision going forward. And someone said this to me one time, a long time ago. I never forgot it. They said, when you're making a decision for the Lord, just remember, God can't steer a parked car. So you need to be moving, you need to be going, and then God, God's going to direct you. Here's another passage that I want to um, read to you about this very thing, about rolling the dice in particular. And that's in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 24. I believe every leadership advice 
you know, I'm, we're Christians here. We believe that God's word is the authority. You got to know that the best leadership advice for you is coming from God's word. So I want to just read um, a couple of verses here. It was actually after Judas had uh, uh, abandoned or actually uh, uh, forsaken the Lord and, you know, that whole story. And they, they had these apostles that they said, we need to replace him. And they had in their day multiple decisions. What's the best decision? We've got guys here who can, uh, who've been with Jesus. We've got guys here who, who've taught the word. We've got guys here who saw the resurrection. But there were multiple of them. They only needed just one, just one decision. That's the way it happens with us too. We often come down to multiple options, one decision. Which the one should we make? And this is in the Bible. It says they prayed, okay, and they said, Lord, you know the hearts of all. Show us which one of these two you have chosen. They narrowed it down to two, thankfully, made it easy. And uh, to take the place in this ministry and the apostleship for which Judas had turned aside to go to his own place. And uh, they cast lots for them. What does that mean? It means they literally rolled the dice. <laughs> it's like flip a coin. Hey, heads, heads you're in, tails you're in. And what do you call? It's like before they got in the NFL, they flipped the coin. Who's going to go first? Who's going to be the apostle? Bing! And they threw it up. They rolled the dice. And they cast Lot, the Bible says. And the Lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. Congratulations. The choice is Matthias. But how do we make choices? Now, I don't really, uh, it's my opinion that I don't really recommend rolling the dice for stuff. So, you know, it's not like when we were going on the mission field, we just flipped the coin. I mean, I've heard of people that have done that. They take one of those globes and they get it on the desk and then they spin it. Maybe you've heard of this, missionaries doing this. And then they go, bing, they put their finger on the globe wherever it stops. And, you know, it may stop in somewhere like uh, uh, Greenland. I thought of Iceland, but Iceland's the green one and Greenland's the icy one. So they get, hit the icy one. They're like, oh, Lord, that's not your will. Spin it again. Bing. People do that with the Bible, too. They, uh, they open it up. Whatever page it falls to, this is for me, Lord. Now, so I don't, I'm not recommending, and it's in my opinion that you shouldn't uh, take everything by chance, like just rolling the dice and seeing what happens. But that principle, leadership principle of making a decision, even if you don't know for sure, which one you should do. Just take a chance on it. And that's what I think they're doing here. That's what it says in Proverbs 16:33. We may throw the dice, but the Lord determines how they fall. But here's a couple of principles that I take from this passage back in the uh, uh, book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 24 that we read. And number one, if you're going to make these decisions, if you're going to um, kind of take a chance on one or the other or roll the dice in that sense, um, number one, you need to make sure that you're submitting to the Lord. It says in verse 24, they prayed and they said, you are the Lord. What does that mean to be Lord? Well, what it means to be Lord is that God is the one that gets to tell us what to do. Imagine that. <laughs> I mean, we as Christians, you know, we, we think we have it all under control. I'm going to tell you something right now. God is sovereign. He has everything under control. He is the Lord. Whether you like it or not, whether you know it or not, whether you're even a Christian or not, God is sovereign over the affairs of men. So you need to recognize that first and foremost. And why is that important? Because you need to be willing to submit to God's will if he does direct you to one way or another, to one person or another. In this case, it was Matthias. They said, this is the Lord's will. It reminds me of the Apostle Paul who would often make decisions based on the Holy Spirit, but also based on what he thought was a good idea. 
He wanted to go up into Asia at one point, and he, was, he made that decision. He, was, he rolled the dice. He took the, the challenge. He went in that direction. But God, the Bible says God actually forbade him and redirected him. Remember, God can't steer a parked car. You're making decisions. You're making decisions according to the will of the Lord. He's your Lord, but God will redirect you. But that first principle is so important that he is the Lord. And uh, the Bible says that even to be a, a Christian, that you must confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. So I'm saying when you're making decisions, leadership principle, let's call this principle number one about making those decisions. Principle number one, he is the Lord. Submit to his sovereignty. You know, I talk to a lot of people that they want to know the will of God. What's the will of God for my life? What's this decision that I should make? Should I marry this person? Should I take that job? Should I go to this, move to this place? And I always ask them, first and foremost, who's really the Lord in your life? Because a lot of people want to know, they're, they're asking a different question than what they really want to ask. What they really want to ask is, what decision is going to make me happy? What decision is going to benefit my life? What decision is going to be good for me personally? That's, that's the question they should be asking because when you probe a little bit, you discover Jesus is not the Lord. He's not the, the shot caller in their life. What I mean by this is this. Let's say, for example, that I, I want to be a missionary and I say, Jesus, your Lord, direct me. Should I go to Cambodia? Should I go to Uganda? Should I go to Mexico or somewhere else? Uh, Greenland, where there's ice. Where, where should I go, Lord? Those, and then you pray to the Lord and you say, but you're, you're sovereign. You're in control of my life. And then God comes back to me and says, actually, he didn't do this, thankfully. But he says, actually, I don't want you to be a missionary. I want you to stay right where you are. I want you just to stay in your hometown, where you live, where you've been, and be faithful to what I've called you there. And I don't want you to do some grand adventure or travel all over the place. I just want you to... And if, if he's the Lord, this is what I'm getting, the point I'm getting to. If you want to know the will of God, make sure that he's your Lord because God's not going to tell you to do something if he knows you're not going to do it. Why would God reveal his will to you if you're not willing to do the will that he's revealed? I hope that makes sense because there's a lot of people that say, I want God's will, but when he tells them, they're like, can I get a second will, <laughs> a second opinion? It's like, uh, you know, you go to a nutritionist or a, a health coach and they say, yeah, and you want the results. You want to be in shape and everything. And uh, they said, yeah, you've got to stop uh, drinking so many sodas and eating at McDonald's four times a day, three times a day, whatever you do. And uh, you say, okay, let me get a second opinion. You go to another one. So basically the, the question is, is he the Lord of your life? Are you willing to give it up uh, for him? Uh, number two, let's get another principle here about making decisions, rolling the dice. Um, and that is, again, back from our, our biblical passage about them making this decision. It's a great example lesson. And they prayed. They said, you, O Lord, you know the hearts of all. Um, show which one of these two you have chosen. So the thing I want to point out about this, this is that, and this is the second principle uh, about making decisions, that leadership lesson, making decisions. Uh, principle number one, he's the Lord, submit to his authority. Make sure he's the Lord of your life, you'll make the right decisions. And even if you don't, he'll redirect. But number two, you have to have help. 
You need people around you that are going to speak into your life. This decision in Acts chapter 1 was not made by a single individual. It was made by a group of people. It was made with wisdom and counsel. They investigated. Have these men been with Jesus? Have these men the qualifications and so forth? So the point that I'm making here is we need help. We need people around us that are going to help us make the right decision. And I, I love this about my wife. I love this about my close friends is that I know if, uh, <laughs> if I make a bad decision or I'm thinking about a bad decision, I'm going to hear about it, especially my beloved wife. I love her so dearly. And she'll let me know like, hey, that doesn't sound like a very good idea to me. And if I'm wise, I'm going to listen to that counsel. In the multitude of counselors, there's wisdom. And so we, they had help, people around you who will help with your decision. It says there in that passage that they prayed, not just he prayed or one person prayed. And they chose between multiple people, these two. And it even mentions a, a kind of a, a, a negative influence, which was Judas. And we can, we can even take this as well, that when you're gathering people around you to help with these decisions, make sure you're getting people who are positive, who love you, who are genuine. Even the closest friends may turn out to be traitors. And some of you, if you're into leadership, you're listening to these leadership lessons, you're watching these leadership lessons, you've probably had those experiences where a Judas shows up and causes problems in the decision-making, where they're, they're really um, intent on one particular decision. I remember the story of Judas where he wanted to not spend the money or waste the money that the girl was pouring the expensive perfume. It was wasting, he said. He had that negative input. The Bible says he did that because he loved money. He wanted to keep the money bag and dip in. So be careful who you gather around yourself. Only trusted people. And, but make sure you do that. You need help. Don't be a lone decider. So I guess you could call that principle number two in making decisions. Number one, he's the Lord. Submit to his authority. Number two, you need help. Don't be a lone decider. Get other people's input. Let's go to number three. Number three, God, and this is something that you just need to know in making decisions, especially for the Lord and as a Christian person. You need to understand, not only is God sovereign, we call him Lord, not only do we have people surrounding us that are going to help us with those decisions while leaving out those negative inputs, but you need to know this, that God is not only omnipotent, meaning all-powerful, but he is omniscient, meaning all-knowing. God knows the right decision to make. God knows the path that you're going to go on, that you need to go on. And it, again, it always comes back to the Lord. Even in Acts chapter 1, verse 24 there, it says, You, O Lord, you know the hearts of all. Imagine if you could have some inside information to a, uh, let's say, a sports game or a bet that you're doing or something like that. I don't encourage betting, although this whole thing is about rolling the dice. <laughs> Remember, the house always wins. But imagine if you could have that inside information, some uh, person on the inside that could tell you or reveal to you what was going to happen or what was happening in a scenario, in a decision that you're going to make. It would greatly change the decision that you're making. You know, if someone, uh, you're going to go be part of another community or another job and then you had someone inside on that job and they were able to give you the information and say, hey, 
you probably don't want to choose here because A, B, C, and D, all these people are saying this, the company's going this way, it's not for you. Imagine if you had that inside man. And uh, I'm here to tell you today, if you're a Christian, you have an inside man. His name is Jesus Christ. God is omniscient. That means he knows everything. He knows the pros and cons better than you could ever know. And guess what? He's not, he's not a secret keeper from you. He reveals things to us by the Holy Spirit. Do you have the Holy Spirit in your life? God can reveal inside information, uh, secret knowledge about the decision you're going to make by His Holy Spirit. We, he knows the details of your decision. Look to His omniscience and His wisdom to be poured out into your life. The Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and without reproach. God will do that for you. In fact, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 8, it says, your father knows what you have need of before you ask him. He knows the right decision. He knows the right direction. He knows the right spouse. He knows the right company. He knows the right uh, location to move to. The right one's Florida, by the way. That's the right answer. <laughs> we just moved to Florida. We've moved around a lot. Listen, Florida's nice. There's no mountains here, but whatever. You know, it's, they've got beaches instead. So he, but he knows the right one for you. That may not be right for you. It might be Greenland, which is icy. And number four, principle number four. This is important. And, and I've already alluded to this previously. And that is, God will show you the right direction if you ask him. So this kind of takes the, um, this is what I started with, jokingly, but not jokingly. It kind of takes the stress out of it that you need to know and believe that if you ask the Lord for His will, truly, if He's your Lord, you're getting people in your life to help you make this decision. You're resting on His omniscience. That he has, he's your inside man. You need to believe, if all those things are true, that He is going to reveal the right path for you to take. He did that for us. Let me tell you a little story. I'll go on to our final principle of making this leadership uh, lesson of making those decisions right decisions when we were deciding whether to go on the mission field or not whether but where to go on the mission field i mentioned that before you know god kind of made it easy for us here's how we were planning to go to cambodia we were going to help we had decided to join this mission and uh, it was about the year was uh the year 2001 and we were moving uh, across the country. My wife was already in Washington State. That's where we were moving to before we moved out on the mission field. And I was in California with my friends. We were gathering ministry partners. We were spreading the word. We're going to be, you know, launching out on the mission field, gathering support, that kind of thing. Now, it was uh, September. The, I remember the date because it was September 10th, 2001. And that next morning, we woke up on September 11th. The World Trade Towers fell. And uh, we were, everything, all plans changed. So what, happens, what happened is this. I haven't shared this with many people, but there was a pastor that I knew who I had known, but I had not seen for over a year. And this pastor, unbeknownst to me, was planning a trip on September 10th to, to go to the country of Uganda, one of the countries we were praying for, about going to. 
Now we had already decided Cambodia. We rolled the dice. We took a chance. And he, he was going with a team, unbeknownst to us. That team was grounded of all flights, because all flights were grounded at that time, September 11th. And they, had, they were coming from Montana. They were going through L.A. and then traveling to Entebbe, Uganda. But they got grounded in L.A. So they were getting lunch at a fast food restaurant. In, uh, it was actually in Orange County at the time. And I was with some of my ministry friends, like I said, I was there. And we went to lunch. I'm not even kidding. This is, this is how the Lord works. We went to lunch at the exact same restaurant. I think it was a Dairy Queen or In-N-Out. I don't even know if they had In-N-Out back then. I guess they did, but it was at, I think it was Dairy Queen. And we met this pastor and this team randomly. I mean, randomly. Is there any random chance with God? Nope. And we met this group, and he's like, hey, Brian. I'm like, what are you guys doing here? And they said, you know, we're gonna, we were going to Uganda. Flights got grounded. Let me make a long story short. I ended up going with that pastor and some other ministry partners from uh, Southern California to New York City. We drove night and day in a van. We took turns driving, and we ministered to the people in New York after 9-11. On that trip, this pastor says to me, you'll never believe it. We're going to Uganda. We're going to plant a church. We're going to start an outreach. We're going to start a ministry to homeless kids. He said, would you pray about going with us? I said to them, you know what? I don't even need to pray about it. This is beyond coincidence. We're in. And that's how the decision changed. We ended up living and ministering in Kampala, Uganda for 10 years. And that's where I, I became a pastor and we pastored the church there. That individual ended up moving back to the States after the first year. We stayed there and continued on the ministry. Extremely fruitful. It was my wife's dream come true because she wanted to go to Uganda, but also the Lord showed us because we asked him. We wanted his will and he directed us. What a bizarre way to direct us though with all these different pieces falling into place. Only God could plan something like that. That's why I'm saying, come on, let's get started. Let's start driving. God can't steer a parked car. Let's take a chance. Let's roll the dice. We were driving here the other day. We were on the freeways on the west we're from the west side of Florida where it's nice and peaceful. The Gulf is there. It's beautiful. And now I'm over here visiting my good friend Daniel Williams on the east coast. It's, it's like, uh, you know, crazy. There's like parties going on everywhere, waves and stuff, surfing, surfers and big, bigger cities. So they got freeways here. We just have a couple of two-lane, you know, roads over there. And uh, yesterday we were driving and, and they have these freeways here where... Um, they have these uh, express lanes, but you have to get in to the express lane like, uh, and then they go on for like four or five miles, so you could miss your exit. You, it's like, you're, once you're in, you're in. So we were coming up and the traffic was there, there was the express lane, but we had to get off in a couple of miles. So I said to Lynn, that's my wife, should we go in the express lane or not? So decision making in the will of God. She got out my notes. She looked through my notes. <laughs> no, she didn't. She just said one thing to me. She said, Brian, you know we take chances. Go over there in the express lane. Let's do this. And that's the kind of attitude I think more Christians need to have. You got a decision to make. You're all freaked. You're paralyzed by not making some decision. Listen, get going. And I know there's a time to wait on the Lord and all that. You know, you're going to have to have a relationship with God. But by and large, my experience is that so many Christians are paralyzed with fear, messing around with the things of the world, 
Just start making those decisions and go with it. It says they cast their lot and the lot fell and it, and it became uh, a great ministry within, uh, within the early church. Leadership lesson. One thing that's passionate on my heart is making those decisions, but not being paralyzed with fear. We need to, to, to let God direct us as he does, as only he can do. Make sure, number one, that he is the Lord. You're submitting to his sovereignty. Number two, you have help. You have people that are speaking positively, that are helping you make these decisions. Number three, you've got an inside man with God. His omniscience is there. You can trust him in this. Number four, he will show you if you ask him. Ask God. It's as simple as that. Seek him. Ask him. Knock on the door. It will be open. He's not trying to hide his will from you. He'll let you know if you ask him. And then finally, you need to make that decision. Make that decision. Just roll the dice. See where, see where the dice fall. Uh, and flip that coin. What's the decision going to be? But start going for God. Start living for God more fully than you are. And those decisions, uh, hopefully those principles, can help you make those decisions um, a little bit uh, better. Leadership lessons. God bless you. Well, that was the first leadership lesson. Brian Kelly, man, rolling the dice, stepping out by faith, just going for it, trying. Throw the fleece out. Let God's spirit lead you and direct you. And man, I pray that if you're in that season of just stepping out, especially as a church planner, man, would you reach out? Let me know. How can we pray for you? We want to make sure that you're equipped. You know, a lot of this audience is a younger generation, uh, ages 24 to 35 that are listening because they need equipping. They need encouragement. And if you ever, if we could ever serve you in any way, maybe even connecting you with Brian Kelly. He has a great podcast called Cultivate, which is a church planning podcast and he interviews other people. You can glean other wisdom from them. And so just reach out to us, Daniel at eeleaders.com. We'd love to serve you in any way that we can and so grateful for his leadership lesson. Now we're going to get back into another leadership lesson, Tiffany Valenzuela. She's going to share about her experience with faith. And now as she took a sabbatical, going back into the ministry and just continuing in faith. Guys, we don't just start, but it's from faith to faith that we do this. And she has some great insight and wisdom from Abraham, from Romans, a solid, amazing message. You guys are going to thoroughly enjoy her leadership lesson. Hi, I'm Tiffany Valenzuela, and we're coming up on nine years of living here in Madrid, Spain. As missionaries about six years ago we began to plant a church here in the city center and I've really been thinking back about um, the time that God began to call us to to live on mission with Jesus here in this city and it reminds me of scripture in 2nd Corinthians that talks about how we're hard-pressed on every side but we're not um, crushed, we're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. And really it was in a time of our lives that was like this, so similar to this, um, crushed, but not destroyed, that the Lord began to really call us, to call us out, to show us that, that what he has for us, the plan that he has for us to, to come here to Spain. And I look back and, and, you know, we were convinced. We were convinced of this call. He, it was like we couldn't run from it. He made it so, so clear. And yet there's a time when you need to begin to step out 
to like, okay, there's this call and there's this period of time where he's calling you, he's convincing you, he's showing you that you're not crazy, that, that you're actually like called to do this. And then there's a point where you just got to begin to, to step out, to step out in faith. And I think back about that, that time, the time where we began. And, and really, if you feel like God's calling you, don't read about George Mueller because you will do the craziest of things after reading about his life. Um, amazing. But that's what we did. We read the book and then we had had this period of time of years that what we knew God was calling us. And then we just began to sell all of our stuff. Like, Literally everything we owned, we were selling. People were coming in on Saturdays during garage sales and, and they were like taking our curtains, taking our mixers, taking everything. And um, our car wasn't even for sale and someone came up and said they wanted to buy our, buy our car. It was just nuts. It was just a, a period I look back on and I think we were crazy because we didn't even have visas to come to Spain at that time. And yet God, God totally used it and it was good, but I look back and I think that was crazy what we did, like what were we thinking? And I think that that now that we've been here for almost nine years, um, maybe you've been in the ministry for a certain amount of time, maybe we need to be reminded that God still desires us to walk out in that kind of faith even when when we are maybe settled in our missional communities or we've we've had this church planted for so long now we have leaders in the church everything's kind of put in its place but i think that god still wants to shake us up a bit and and have us live um live out our faith live out that crazy kind of faith the, the kind that that we look at ourselves and think man we're crazy and maybe the neighbors look at us too, like these people have lost their minds. Um, will you venture with me in Romans? We're going to go to Romans 4. And, you know, Romans 4 begins by talking about Abraham. Oh, how I love Abraham. Can you ever get sick of studying the faith of Abraham or, or reading about his life or the faith that he had? Um, in verse 16, the word tells us that Abraham is the father of all who believe. And, and it continues in verse 17. It says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So we know this. We know that, that Abraham is a father of many nations. The word tells us this. Um, but it's not because of the crazy cool stuff that Abraham did. It's not because of all the possessions he had. It's not because he had um, a hottie as a wife. None of those things. But it says that it's because that he believed in a God that brings the dead back to life and the God that creates new things out of nothing. Can I get an amen? He brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Verse 18 says, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. So this brings me to the question, why did he keep hoping even when he had no reason to hope? Um, I don't know about you, 
but there have been many times um, in my life, especially here in ministry, when I felt like there was really no reason to hope. I felt like, um, yeah, God, you've given us this promise, but there's just no way. There's no way. So Abraham found himself in that position. And so I want us to talk a little bit about why did he continue hoping even when there was, I mean, the word tells us there was no reason for him to hope, but he kept hoping. Well, I have about four points. The first one is that he kept hoping because he had the promise. Number one is because he had the promise. The Bible tells us for all the promises of God in him are what? They are yes and amen to the glory of God through us. Yes and amen. If you have the promise, you have reason to continue hoping because all the promises in God, of God in him are yes and amen. So he had the promise. Number two, he knew the one that gave him the promise. He knew him. He knew him. Now, um, how can we talk about faith and not turn to Hebrews 11, the hall of faith? So we're going to, to read Hebrews 11, 17 through 19. It says, It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is a son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. I think so often, not only in ministry, um, in our lives, but in ministry, we have the call, we have the promise, and we think, um, well, the Lord is going to need to fulfill this promise or, or carry out this calling in a specific way, in a certain way. And, you know, we're human, so we think A, B, or maybe C. And in our humanly perspective, we can only see um, those as the those as the only options, you know, but how often does God just throw those options out and work in a completely different way? Not only does he do Z, but he doesn't even use the letter of the alphabet in the way that he works. He just does things in a different kind of way, in a way that we can't even fathom. Yet we always try to, we always put him in a box, but he never operates in that box. So number one is he had the promise. Number two, he knew the one that gave him the promise. And number three is Abraham had every reason to doubt his ability to make the promise happen, but he had no reason to doubt his faithful God. Do you realize that you do not have what it takes to carry out this calling that God has placed on you or this promise that God has given you. Like in you, you do not have the ability to do it, to carry it out. And maybe that doesn't hit a chord with you. Maybe that that doesn't, you know, whenever you hear something and just hits you, you're like, yes, I feel that. Maybe this doesn't 
the 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 fact that you are unable that you are incapable and maybe you just need to pray and ask god to reveal to you how incapable you actually are like maybe that's just a revelation that you need from god maybe you've been in ministry for for so many years maybe you've been very successful in in kind of everything you you've put your hands to and you need reminded about your your inability about how human you actually are how finite you actually are but maybe speaking about inability or just it being impossible um, this work that God's placed on you, this calling, maybe that does hit a chord. Maybe that is something that you that resonates in you, and maybe you think, "Man, I have found a bosom buddy in Abraham. I feel him. I feel that completely." Um, but I think that's a good thing because you know the story. You know that God brings to fruition this this promise that He gave to Abraham, and He did it. In, in such a way that is impossible for man. And I think that gives us hope. Those of us who, who feel that, who believe that, who, who are walking in the incapabilities that we have, the weaknesses that we have, that brings us so much hope because he works like that. That is like, in his kingdom, that's how he operates, in the impossibilities. Um, there's this book and it's called Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools. And I, I want to read a quote that, that's in there. It says, anyone that God uses significantly is always deeply wounded. We are each of us insignificant people whom God has called and graced to use us in a significant way. And it goes on to say, Jesus will look us over, not for medals, but for scars. Um, being scarred, having a limp, um, maybe you've heard it in that way. Have you noticed that it is almost just like mandatory in this calling that, that God's placed on us for being in the ministry or being missionaries or just being, minis being ministers of the gospel? It's like having a limp, being scarred, um, it's almost like it's mandatory because that's how he works. And I feel like at this point in my life, um, this is just a point that I'm living out of just being incapable. And I think that if I were to have a hashtag for my life, um, I would feel the most that what we're doing, that this hashtag would be like hashtag incapable. Um, I say that not having a pity party, not feeling sorry for myself, nothing like that, but it is just a matter of fact. And anywhere but here, God, Lord, any language but this language, any community but this community, God, I would be so much more um, able. I would be so much more effective. Not them, not here, not that culture, not not this position, not not this ministry. Um, but yet God puts us exactly where he wants us. This pastor um, told us over the summer, he said, you know that God has better people he could use than you, um, but he called you. Man, and it is so true when he said that. We just started laughing because it's like, yes, that that's so true. 
Um, so this, this brings us to my last point. Number four, why did Abraham continue to hope? Well, let's read verse 20 in Romans 4. It said, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. Um, yeah, I love it. I was reading the, the New Living Translation. It says, in fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. Um, his faith grew as a situation became more and more impossible. Um, have you ever been convinced of a promise of God or the calling of God, um, but yet the situation continues to look worse and worse? It, it looks like it's going the exact opposite way, like the impossibilities grow, um, but yet you dig your feet down in the sand, right? And Because you're convinced, you're convinced of that promise, you're convinced of the call. And so you dig those feet in, and you wait, you wait because you know, down deep inside of you, you know that God is going to move. He is going to work. He is going to bring to pass those things that he's already, he's already told you. And you know, here in this world, we have all kinds of entertainment, right? We have movies, we have shows, we have books. And what are a lot of like the popular things? Uh, romance, can I hear it for the romance novels? The romance, we have sci-fi, we have... Um, what else? There's mystery, all, all these things. But, but I think that God's favorite, his favorite kind of story um, is all the odds are against you stories, right? And, and why would I say that? Why would I say that, that that's God's favorite? Because we see it over and over and over again in his word. And let's think about it. Let's think about David right? His dad didn't even think about calling him from the field when Samuel came and was like, hey, I need to see all your sons. He didn't even think about him. Wow. What about Gideon? So here's Gideon and he has what, like 32,000 um, able men to fight. And God reduces that down to, I think it's 300 a God who loves stories about all the odds are against you. Um, have you heard about the story in 2 Chronicles 20? An amazing story. God uses story in our lives. Um, it's where there's Judah has three nations coming against them. Okay, so not just one, not just two, but three nations coming against Judah. And then there's Jehoshaphat. And he's scared. The Bible tells us he's terrified. He's scared. And he, he calls on the people of Judah to fast and to pray. And so there's there, there are these people, and they're calling out to God. And one of the men who's there, it says, you know, they were all there with the family, the kids. One of the men that was there, um, he hears from God. And his name is Jehaziel. And, and this is what he says. He says, and God said, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army for the battle is not yours, but it is God's. Um, 
you got to go read this. Second Chronicles 20. So really, just a recap, what happens are these people go out not to fight with weapons, but they go out worshiping the living God. And so they, they get the victory. They don't even have to fight. These nations come against, these armies come against each other. And so they get to go out and, and just gather all the spoils for almost three days. And that all the odds three nations against them and yet all they did was worship the living god they didn't have to fight the battle is not yours it's god stand still and see the salvation of the lord and so they didn't have to fight but the crazy thing is is that they got to be part of it they got to be part of the story they got to be part of the victory without even fighting and so we could go on and on like listing the ways that god loves to to work um outside of the box that he likes to work in the impossibilities that um he likes to work and make and create stories of all the odds were against them but god because he gets all the glory right so let's finish this out um in romans 4 We'll, we'll, we'll continue with 20. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. Oh, no, it was recorded for our benefit too assuring us that god will also count us as righteous if we believe in him the one who what the one who raised jesus our lord from the dead dead raising kind of faith he was handed over to die because of our sins and he was raised to life to make us right with god um do you get it like can you catch it that dead raising kind of faith that Abraham had that God also desires for us to continue to walk in, not just in the big parts of our life, not just in the beginning of a calling, the beginning of a mission, the beginning of ministry. No, he wants us to continue to walk in this dead raising kind of faith. Um, you know, maybe right now you need to just step back and into the area of this radical faith. Uh, maybe God has been putting on your heart to step out and do something, to do something different, to do something new, uh, a new season in the ministry. And you know that once you begin to step out, um, everything changes, right? You, you can't go back and maybe you've been sitting on it. And maybe you need to be reminded to step out in that radical kind of faith. Um, just do it. Um, or maybe you are already there. Um, you are doing what God has set before you. He has given you a vision. In that vision, you're walking it out right now. But maybe um, you just, that faith, that enduring faith needs to be re renewed in you um, of just being in the trenches, maybe being in the trenches of ministry or, or on the mission field, the, the trenches of spiritual warfare where, where you're tired, you're worn down, and you just need a faith that keeps you putting one foot in front of the other. 
I'm there. Um, we took this, this sabbatical um, for four months. Um, we just got back in the last month and it was the sweetest time. I fought my husband so hard on taking a sabbatical because it's like, oh, like um, I felt so not worthy to be able to take time off and and he convinced me this is like the right thing to do. And, and after we did it, I just, um, I could see like how necessary it was for each one of us in our family. And so while we were in sabbatical, I can't tell you how easy it was to just be with the Lord. Like it was just easy. That's like the way I can explain it. It was easy. I'm um, just sitting down with the word, just listening to worship music, just being in his presence. I felt like he was speaking to me. I could hear him. It was just clear and easy and super sweet. And then we get back here and, and I felt like in that time there were specific things he he had laid out, you know, specific things maybe we need to change or, or add um, as a family, as a ministry, as a church, um, as a life here on mission in, in Madrid. And we get back and it's like everything is just muddied. And I had this one missionary who was a missionary in Brazil explain it so clearly to me um life that we live here um is that being a missionary is like living in mud and maybe that resonates with you it's like everything you do you can do it it just is a bit tough to do it's a bit slower it's a bit harder it takes more energy and so it's like we come back and I, I'm not expecting to feel that way again. And that's exactly what I found. And so I need this renewal of my faith, this enduring kind of faith to, to remember what God had given me in that time, in that time of refreshment and a faith and a strength to continue on, to put one foot in front of the other, to continue in that calling that he has placed on our lives to to walk out these things that he's given us and i need him to renew my faith and so um, i want to encourage you in that ask god to to give you that faith again in, in whichever way you need it but don't stop don't stop um be radical walk out in that radical kind of faith like abraham did like you did at one time in your ministry in one time of your life let's continue marching on in that dead raising kind of faith the lord bless you guys wow well it is hard to follow someone like tiffany who is such an excellent preacher and just experienced because it's not just a a theory for her but she's in the thick of it saying i'm going to live by faith and not by sight so good and so incredible to have these already two leadership lessons and so man i just want to do my part and give my perspective and i want to look at a character joshua in this leadership lesson i want to talk to you how we are to have faith in all types of seasons, whether we're re-entering into ministry, whether we're starting a new ministry, but man, many people talk about finishing and starting, but what about in the gaps? What about in the middle? There's so much to do. And I'm thinking like the apostle Paul said it so well. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes that the to the Jews first, also to the Greek for in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith 
to faith as it is written the just or the righteous shall live by faith we need to be people church leaders that live by faith paul wasn't ashamed of the gospel he wasn't ashamed of doctrine and teaching and preaching and planting churches and stepping out but he also understands that he wasn't ashamed to trust god in the everyday stuff of life from faith to faith not just in the big stuff but in the minute uh, in the in the small things and he says the righteous live by faith so no matter what season you are you are to live by faith i'm to live by faith because it's impossible to please god without faith hebrews tells us in hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 and so i want to look at this character joshua and show you how he lived by faith as we just do a last leadership lesson on sort of a study of his life and how that helped him and how we can trust God in no matter what season we're in. You know, we know Romans 8, 28 and 9, that God has great plans for us, those that love him and live according to his purpose, but they're all conforming us to make us into the image of Christ. And we need to have trust. We need to have trust and faith in that, that God is working no matter what season we're in. And so Let's look at this character together. It's a lot of scripture, a lot of references, a lot of context, uh, almost like an introduction of who Joshua is, an Old Testament character. But I love that we can look at these uh, characters in scripture in the Old Testament. I think it's Romans 15, 4 that says, these things were written for our learning and example that we may have hope. I want you to have hope when it comes to living for God in ministry, no matter what season it is. And the first time we ever see Joshua, this character in the Old Testament, well, he was a slave. Joshua the slave. You remember that Joshua was born in Egypt in slavery, and his dad's name was Hosea. Numbers 13, 8 tells us that. His name means uh, salvation, and Moses would later change Joshua's name uh, uh, to Jeho Jehovah is salvation, Numbers 13, 16. And so Joshua belonged to the tribe um, of Ephraim and was the firstborn of none. And so he had a religious background, grew up in the house of God, uh, but yet he was a slave. None, his father, had faith in the Lord because he protected Joshua's life during the Passover. You remember the Passover was going while they were slaves and it was told, hey, put the blood over the door and the angel of death will pass over and you'll have your firstborn spared. Well, Joshua was spared. He was a firstborn of none. And we see that none's faith mattered to Joshua. Joshua had been uh, done all these Joshua would have seen all of these uh, great deeds done by God as God would free the people up from Exodus 7 to 15 is that talks about the plagues of God. Uh, these plagues and parting of the Red Sea Joshua would have experienced. So as a slave, Joshua was personally affected by God's power to free his people from slavery and he grew in his faith. Don't forget that you don't have to have it all together. Joshua, when we first started, he was a slave. He was a child. He had someone investing in him, his dad uh, of faith. If you're in a season where you're just starting out and maybe you don't have it all together and you're just beginning, make sure that you're seeking out a spiritual father, someone that could pour into you, that, that can bless you spiritually, and you can grow and have an example of this. And maybe even if you're a dad, don't forget this or a mom. Your faith matters to your children. How we're growing right now and the obstacles and position, the opposition that we're going through in ministry, how we respond matters, not just for the ministry, but for our family. 
Our family is being affected and they're watching our faith. And this is why one of the requirements of an elder church leader is to shepherd and pastor your family uh, because it matters. And so Joshua was a slave. He didn't have it all together. It didn't start as a, a leader. Uh, you don't have to be have a position or a title to have faith. You need to grow in your faith. And what does it look like for you to grow in your faith? The next time we see Joshua, well, it's really by name, and it's uh, about two months after the Exodus. Uh, he's fighting against the Amalekites in Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 16. We see Joshua actually have great courage to lead his people into battle, trust the Lord for the victory. And then you know the story that whenever Moses would held up his hand with the staff, well, Israel prevailed. But the text says that whenever Moses lowered his hand, well, the Amalekites prevailed. And so Moses was this prophet. He was um, this guy, but Joseph, man, he was the general with military skills. Moses went to the mountain, but Joshua was fighting. And these two leaders were different, but both used what God gave them and how God called them to lead. And that just sort of thinks about the second point. When I think of the military side of Joshua, he was so much different than Moses. Listen, when God gives you faith to trust in him, it's going to look different than other leaders. And that's okay. You're going to be in seasons where you're going to want to compare. Paul says that's not wise. But Joshua, he was a soldier and he was fighting. And so as a soldier, God was preparing Joshua for the many more battles he would fight in the promised land. And it was encouraging. And Joshua could have got really discouraged if he didn't live by faith saying, God, God, what do you have for me today? Many of you may be associate pastors, ministry directors, maybe not the lead person, but is God preparing you for something else? Maybe the role isn't to get bigger and better. Maybe it's to just settle in of who you are in Christ and the thing that God's called you. Maybe, maybe you just have a heart for your grandchildren in this next season. And that is a good thing and an okay thing. Don't go for position. Go for the things God's called you to do. And Joshua was a faithful servant and soldier of the Lord and Israel. And he was just being faithful to the role God called him to. And so you have to have faith sometimes for the role that God called you. Some of us have to have faith when God says, I want you to be the lead guy. We're like, no, 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 no. I, I don't want that. But we're to live by faith and it's from faith to faith we live and we see joshua do that as a soldier but joshua was also a servant he continued to grow and the the scriptures tell us a lot more about joshua in exodus chapter 24 through 13 joshua is called moses's servant or minister he accompanied moses to the mountain where moses received the ten commandments he went with him when he judged the people for making the golden calf in exodus chapter 32 Part of being Moses' servant or assistant was to stay at the tent and to guard and to be in the presence of God, Exodus 33. And so he would spend a lot of time in the presence of God, following a mentor, learning, growing. And we should learn this important lesson from Joshua as a servant of Moses. He was in submission to authority. Before he got exalted to be a leader, he was under authority. Great leaders are under authority. And he always honored Moses. Numbers chapter 11, verses 16 through 30. You see, as a servant, he learned to be a worshiper and learn how to live in the presence of God. One commentator said this, it wasn't enough for Joshua to be a good warrior. He also had to know the God of Israel and the holy laws of God that God gave his people to obey. We shall discover that the secret of Joshua's victories was not his skill with the sword, but his submission to the word of God and to the God of the word. Are, are we having a submissive heart, growing in our leadership, having faith when God says, step out, do this, forgive that person, step up and do that? 
Are we submissive to other people, submitting to one another? Do we have a haughty, arrogant, prideful attitude like it's all about us? No, we should have faith and be submissive to other people and be under authority before we're over people. It's an important aspect and we need to live by faith as a church leader in that. Even if someone like over us says, no, I don't want you to do this. I want you to do that. We can trust God to work it all out and we need to have faith even in that position of a servant. It's the best life. It's the best life. Uh, Next, we see Joshua, the spy. Uh, You may know the story as you continue to walk through uh, the Torah, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus. You start seeing Joshua pop up. Moses now appoints 12 spies to uh, scope out the land in um, Cana, the promised land, right, for 40 days. And Joshua is one of those spies, Numbers chapter 13. Joshua uh, tells the people, listen, God is on our side. He's going to fight him. And Caleb believed for great things of God and told the people to take the land. But there were 10 other spies that discouraged the people had direct opposition and counsel of Joshua and Caleb. And the people sadly went with the 10 spies and their disbelief in God caused them to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. Now, this event revealed some great leadership traits in Joshua and things that we can learn from him in thinking about him as a leader and faith as a spy. He looked through the reality of the situation with God and trusted God to do great things. That's what faith really does. It's a trust. Listen, I know as a leader, sometimes it's hard to believe the great things that God has called us to, or to look at, look at this promise, but we need to look to Jesus because in uh, Jesus, all the promises of God are yes and amen. So he had a he had a, a a God lens, a filter of faith, and it actually helped him lead and cause other people, even when they were speaking opposition and criticizing him, to say, "Hey, you know what? We're going to go for it. We're going to do it." We need to have faith in that area. Knowing he was right, Joshua wasn't afraid to stand up against the majority. In fact, that text says that they wanted to kill him. I don't know if that you've ever felt that in ministry, but sometimes it does feel like people criticize and they want to kill you or harm you or at least the ministry. But he also learned to grow in patience in the midst of that because he actually waited all 40 years in the wilderness while the other peoples died off from their disbelief. I don't know about you, but it takes faith to patiently wait, to walk with people, to say, hey, we should do this. And they don't. And so you have to wait with them. You have to walk with them. He patiently stayed with Moses, continued to do his job by faith. He trusted in God's timing. Have you ever wondered, have you ever noticed it takes a lot of faith and trust to just believe in God, but patiently wait in God's timing? That's a whole different level of leadership. That's a whole different level of faith. But God's timing is perfect. And sometimes God may give you a calling or a vision. It takes a year, three years, 13 years, 30 years to fulfill You see, as a spy, Joshua learned to build his faith in God and not people and look through the lens of faith. And we could learn something like that in whatever season we're in. Joshua was next the successor, the successor leader of Israel. He succeeded Moses. Uh, When Moses was preparing to die, he asked God to give him a successor in Numbers chapter 27 and verses 12 through 30, uh, 23 in that chapter, he appoints Joshua to lead the people to the promised land. We see this also in Deuteronomy chapter three. The people recognized Joshua's leadership, his role in Joshua chapter one. Remember, there was a whole book about the life of Joshua, him bringing the people into the promised land. Um, And the successor 
As a successor, Joshua honestly was a little scared. He was a little fearful. Now, why do I say this? Because Moses was special, man. He was the prophet of God going in the Ten Commandments, establishing the tabernacle. And the Lord and Moses both encouraged Joshua. In Joshua chapter 1 and in Numbers chapter 31, Moses specifically encourages Moses, uh, Joshua to, to, to fear the Lord and to be strong and courageous for God's with him. And we know that famous passage in, in Joshua chapter one, where God reminds him over and over again, fear not, I am with you. Be strong and courageous. We need those, those encouragements from other brothers and other sisters and, and the Lord himself to equip us and to empower us and speak life into us and, and for the task at hand. As a successor, Joshua, he got to see God call him into leadership, raise him up into position and empower him to do great and amazing things for the Lord. But he had to continue to trust him and his word. Listen, God wants you to do things that are sometimes scary, that are hard. That's what being a successor was for Joshua. It wasn't just like, yay, now I get the position. No, Joshua was faithful and now God's raising him up and he says, be strong and courageous. But here's the cool thing when we live by faith, God is with us. Hey, be strong, and gracious, fear not for I am with you. And God just will be with you just as he was with Joshua, as you take those next steps of faith, and he asks you to continue to do those things. And Joshua was successful. The last sort of point or thing that we see here in Joshua's life through the book of uh, Joshua was Joshua was a successful leader. Uh, this is where the book of Joshua takes place, and Joshua actually exercises his leadership. One commentator, Warren Wiersbe, says the secret of Joshua's success was his faith in the word of God its commands and promises. God's word to Joshua was to be strong, and this is his word to his people today. We see Joshua's success was a full reliance on God's word and his ways. He had faith. Joshua believed God at his word for the victory before it ever even took place. Joshua 2.24. Joshua obeyed God and allowed him to establish his authority. Joshua chapter 3 and 4. Joshua gave credit to God for the work that he did after Jericho, man, it was, it was all God. He gave credit to God. Uh, Joshua continued to listen to God's word and obey. In Joshua eleven fifteen, it says, just as the Lord had commanded Moses, his servant. So Joshua commanded, uh, so Moses commanded Joshua. And so Joshua did, he left nothing undone and all the Lord had commanded Moses. And man, you, you read Joshua, the book, and then he's, he's having the strategy of Jericho, uh, just screaming and blowing horns for his fight, for his strategy, which goes against his flesh because he's a warrior. In chapter five, he circumcises grown men because the Lord said, which would have been, trust me, a hard thing to do as a leader. In chapter six and seven, he defeats Jericho, crazy strategy. He fights for the land. He commands, continues to follow the God. There's just all these examples. And even in, in chapter 13 through 22, the end of the sort of the second half of that, that book, he, he, because of his faithful obedience, the people are blessed and they get a great inheritance. And I just want to remind you, there's a great reward for walking by faith and not by sight. Um, Joshua was firm to his word. This is where we need to remind ourselves. We need to be faithful to God's word, uh, man, because uh, it's so, it's so, it's so important. He remained humble and he continued to trust God even when he was elevated. Uh, and lastly, uh, he just wasn't a successful leader, but because of this, he's a witness to us today. 
He was a spectator at the end of his life, at the end of Joshua. Uh, he wanted to give the elders a testimony of God's goodness. Joshua chapter 23 and verse 3, uh, he gives all glory to God and recognizes it wasn't himself. You know, when we live by faith, sometimes it's easier to live by faith when we're desperate. But when we succeed, we can fail. But Joshua wasn't like that. When he succeeded, he still stayed humble and gave recognition to God. In verse 3 of that chapter, he says, You have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all the nations for your sake. He didn't say, You've seen what I've done. He said, You saw what the Lord did. For it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. God fought for the people because God honors faith. And he will fight for you and your people that you're leading if you walk by faith and not by sight. Joshua wasn't just saying how awesome he was, but he was pointing people to God. Remember, when you're walking by faith, from faith to faith, and success comes, how important it is to give God the glory. Because oftentimes when we build a life of faith, it can actually breed pride um, if we start thinking it's us. But our faith is an object in a person. It's in Jesus. It's in God himself. And God wants to continue for us to live from faith to faith. And so what what can you learn from Joshua? I know it's a big, deep dive in these seasons, but know that whatever season you're in, man, you can actually trust the Lord and he will honor your faith. And God's going to put you in different seasons, whether you be a servant, a big uh, a successor, um, man, maybe a warrior fighting something that looks different than another people. Maybe you're a part of a team. Like There are many seasons and obstacles in this life, but God will always put us in a position to walk by faith and not by sight. And as you do, you will be blessed and God will honor and reward you. And so that's the episode. That is three leadership lessons all about faith. I hope that was an encouragement to you. I hope it blessed you. And I hope that you'll continue to listen, to share, to subscribe, to take these uh, Bible studies and leadership lessons and things to heart and apply them to your word, uh, to your life. Apply God's word to your life. You will be blessed. Listen, it's such an honor to be with you. Thank you for uh, listening, for continuing to spread the word about this ministry. Uh, if there's anything that we can do to serve you, reach out to us, Daniel at eeleaders.com. Or maybe you want to contribute uh, to be uh, giving a one piece of advice video or a leadership lesson yourself. I'd love to have that. If I've never met you, I'd love to do so. And I just appreciate all of you guys on this journey. Uh, you are such a blessing. You encourage me. As I look to the lens, I imagine people that I talk through throughout the week. Again, we're doing it every other week this season because there's a lot more opportunity to pour into church leaders. And we just want to do the best here at EE Leaders to encourage and equip church leaders to do the things that God's called you to do. There's nothing greater. So thank you for allowing us to come alongside. Thank you for having this meeting. Thank you for listening. And we will see you in the next episode.